Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Tyler is on. Is I, man, ladies and gentlemen. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Shout out to Donnie. That's all I'm saying. Donnie's not, Donnie's out today. Is that my internet? No, I think he froze. It's fans. Oh, it's fans internet. See, I think that was a sign that you shouldn't say anything because that is not our business to tell. Shout out to Donnie. Let's let's shout out to Donnie because we love Donnie. But shout out to you, Van. I mean, imagine my surprise, my joy, my excitement when I see that you are on CNN tonight. You know, Van don't tell us anything here, right? He was just like, I'm going to New York. I'm thinking, you know, he's making deals, doing doing some pitching, all of that. And little do I know, you're on CNN tonight holding it down. Yeah, it was fun. I was on there, CNN Did tonight. you have a good time? It hmm. was a fun time talking about different topics. You know, uh, shout out to Franklin Leonard and everybody that was on the panel met a lot of nice people. I'm doing it again tonight. I'm doing CNN tonight. All right. again so finally, tonight. Well, well, sadly, our viewers won't know that because this will come out tomorrow. But yeah, I don't want them to see me on CNN tonight. I'm actually going to tweet it now. No. Uh, no look, look at him getting a little nervous, y'all. Look at no, him being was, all. You talk about I, me I, being I, humble. Look at you. Yeah, I, I like to talk and to say stuff. And I also like to cut through in situations where, you know, it's very serious. There's a lot of gravitas. You're on the network. You know, you do the view. I was on there with one of your view cohorts. She says she likes you very much. She's your friend. Yes. Alyssa yeah. Farrah Griffin is very nice. Nice lady. Nice lady. Well, it shows that, shows that, you know, she's a Republican, but she's nice. And you can still <laughs> hate everything that everyone, someone believes in and not necessarily hate them. It's hard, but it's possible. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rachel, what are you up to? You, you're dressed like the Matrix today. I, <laughs> I well, like I was Love I it. was down. I just came back from uh, Hollywood Boulevard. It is May 4th. And they gave, they posthumously gave Carrie Fisher her star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. So it, it was shut down. It was rowdy. You know me. I have no idea what's going on. They're like, Mark Hamill's coming. I say, who is that? So I, <laughs> which you were going to be so happy. I now know. Christ. I mm. now know. But you have to understand, if you're not in the Star Wars world, why would I know? Why would I know? You know, I this machine it. comes up, this like short, fat cylinder machine comes rolling up. Did you tell me like, that you don't that? recognize R2-D2? You, I know saying, now. You're saying that, hold on, hold on. See, because here's the thing. It, I'm not kidding. Well, just wait a second. I, I can understand not knowing that Mark Hamill played Luke Skywalker. I get it. Thank but you. But you, you're telling me you can look at R2-D2 and you don't know what R2-D2 is. You don't know who that is. Like, you haven't seen just like R2-D2. I literally like turned R2 to D2. the producer. I literally turned to the producer at Access Hollywood. Shout out to Terrell. And I said, what's that? Like you, okay. Look, I, look, look, the crowd the, was going wild, and I was like, "What is that thing?" I knew what the stormtroopers were, but you didn't know R two. It's just okay. I mean, for me, and I this knew is no, it was no in the shame. Movie. Yeah, for me, it's no. I'm not shaming. I'm just saying it's it's difficult to think that somebody wouldn't be able to identify R two D two when they saw R two D two. But I get it. People lived under rocks and they never watched there television was, and the judge no, had them watching watch the walls of Jericho and TVN. <laughs> I bet you know Joshua who Benny... the battle of Jericho. 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 See? See? Jericho. See? See? You know that song. <laughs> and the walls came tumbling down. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Wait. There was also this gold walking thing. C-3PO. Thank you. Oh, that... That is definitely a name I've never heard of before. When well, you say R2-D2, R2, I'm like, yes, that sounds familiar. C-3PO and R2-D2 are in a domestic partnership. They, they're, they're a couple? Yeah, they're a couple. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so they're both. Star Wars was way ahead of the game in terms of droid-on-droid, uh, male-on-male relationships. They're in a relationship, C-3PO and R2-D2. They have a small okay. uh, 
like a small family unit right outside of Tatooine where they live and work together. Two droids. Wait, are you joking? Yes, it's fucking not true. (laughs) They're they're companions. They're like R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah, they are. They're they're companions. Like, that's his boy. Shit, they might be fucking. I don't know. But, you know... (laughs) But that's awesome that she got that. May like the she, fourth be with you. Yes, she, uh, her, she, her daughter she's was a, there. A fantastic Billy Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic portrayal of Princess Leia. A very important character in Star Wars and film history. Princess Leia is awesome. You know, no, she's not. I always a feel guilty. Why? About being there, I'm like, I'm not worthy. You know, somebody else who actually understands and appreciates. I feel bad, but I was there. So that's why I'm dressed like this. I guess this is. It's close. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm dressed like Trinity from The Matrix, but I am. I was, and I'm actually, wait, and I'm wearing leather boots. Leather boots. <laughs> I would be so funny if you were in The Matrix. I could see you in The Matrix. I need one of our artistically inclined thought words to draw you in The Matrix. I could see you just like not in any way being nurturing to Neo. You know, <laughs> Neo. Art imitating life. Uh, Neo comes aboard. Uh, Neo comes aboard the Nebuchadnezzar, and he 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 fails the first time. And you look at that Morpheus. Thing's called the Nebuchadnezzar. God, you're yes, that's the fucking name I've of the seen, ship. I've seen the Matrix, like, but it's just been such a long time. Like, yeah, the ship is called the Nebuchadnezzar. All right, that's the fucking name of the ship. C three PO, Luke Skywalker motherfucking uh, R2-D2. These are the names. I'm about to lose it. Okay? (laughs) That's the name. Can I finish my joke, please? Okay. Neo fails the the simulation and you look over at Morpheus and it's like, hey, we got to leave this nigga. All right? Like, that's the whole movie will be over because you wouldn't give him a chance. Hey, shut up, Neo. Like, you suck. Like, we got to go. You know, um, that's, that's dope, though. Is it raining in L.A. right now? I'm in New York. It was. It stopped. The sun came out just as the ceremony started. So that was actually really nice. Um, but it's no longer raining. I went to Equinox to work out today. Equinox okay. here in New York. Equinox in L.A. better. I would imagine, though, there's just, like, not the space. And New York is just so crowded. and Like a small would... Equinox. This Equinox was actually in the Equinox hotel oh you went to the one at hudson yards hudson yards yeah equinox hotel that looks not too nice far though away. I ne- the equinox hotel just looks i didn't go in but like equinox in the equinox hotel not fantastic i mean nice mm. people but very small like like one little it's like it, actually to be honest with you the equinox inside the equinox hotel is was kind of like akin to a hotel gym a little bit um I mean, bigger than that, but you know, I was able to get. I, I like that whole, area, though. You, Hudson Yards, beautiful, right? Hudson Our Yards. studios over there, Extra Studio. You got you ever go over there? Who goes over there? Who goes to Extra Studio? They let you go over there. I love the way you phrased it. Yes, at times they allow me to go over there when I'm in New York. <laughs> you go there, you hang out. Um, I stay over do, there. What are you doing this weekend, Rachel? I'll be in New York. I'm not coming back till Monday. Oh, I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in Chicago. Shot. Um, There is a junket premiere for a movie called About My Father. Sebastian Maniscalco, Robert De Niro. Love that guy. Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Do you? so funny. Oh, he's hilarious. Brian does too. He's hilarious. That's why I got turned on to him. See, me and Brian turned on to him. Jesus Christ, it's like that. Um, me and uh, me and me and Brian will go see him together and not bring you. I mean, I've already seen the movie, so go for it. VB Summer. That's what it's gonna be. What Van Brian Summer. Van okay, well, Brian I'm Summer. I'm rooting for it. I like it. Do it. Do it. That's what I'll be doing this weekend. Junket premiere, Chicago, Chi Town. Y'all hit me up. Give me some places to go. I'm gonna have a lot of downtime. I would say that it would be a BV Summer. But BV is like, you can't really, that's like a thing you don't want to, you know, that's a whole other connotation and you don't want it Correct. to be. You had it right the first time. Because it's like, if you say BV summer, 
there's a lot of people out there that are going to have a BV summer <laughs> and they don't, it's not going to be great for them. But there's some BV summers coming specifically in LA, but it's VB summer because it's Van and Brian. We're going to do all kinds of let's, stuff. Let's move on. We, we're going to do, we're <laughs> going to do uh, Hollywood Carnival. We're going to do basketball. We're going to do different things that fit people do. We're going to do pull-ups together. And you're not invited to any of them. Am I invited? On, we're going on vacation? We're going on vacation. The four of us are going on vacation. Me, you, Brian, Kalika. Here's the thing. It might just be me, me, be me and Brian. <laughs> That's why me and Kalika have traveled without y'all before. Yeah. Uh, me and him just, but see, the difference is, is the way me and him would do it. We would act like you guys were coming and then we would actually have booked everything for like a day earlier. And so by the time you guys get to the airport and realize that there's no tickets and nothing, nothing's booked for y'all, mm-hmm. me and him were already being bored, bored, riding on the back of dolphins. Having, Telling people where we're going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 having, what difference does it make that they know? You're I so know. You know how I get about that stuff. You know how I get about You think somebody's going to follow us It's the Sam Lindsay and me. It's the yeah. Sam Lindsay and me. I do, not, I do not like to do that. But you know how I know that would never happen? Because you and Brian are not capable of planning a vacation like that by yourselves. You're just not. So disrespectful. You would need the help of me and Kalika. You would. That's Tell so me I'm lying. Disrespectful. That's so disrespectful and absolutely accurate. You can't, you can't eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you need us. Y'all need us. It went to Greece and I would wake up and I would be like, oh, what's going on like for today? And she'd be like, nothing. Just get up to the top and get in the car. Whatever happens, happens. Don't wear that even. Let me tell you what to wear. It's just the whole thing. <laughs> you know? It's the whole thing. Um, Can't right. wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to on the other side of this break. Big deal of the day. Gridlock in Hollywood. Rider strike. Crippling the town. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Okay, Rachel. The Writers Guild of America which represents 11,500 writers, uh, is on strike, officially. The night of May 1st, the writers were unable to negotiate a deal with the studios, and they, they are now officially on strike. There are probably a lot of people out there that are wondering what this means. This means that most productions that would have been coming up are effectively shut down because it's very hard, excuse me, productions of scripted things, a lot of scripted stuff and anything that has a writer. Right. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you're talking about that is unionized. That is unionized. You're talking about shows like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert already shut down. Uh, Saturday Night Live this week was supposed to be hosted by Pete Davidson. Shut down. Not happening. All those shows uh, rely on talent from the WGA and those guys aren't working. They are shutting down. Also, a lot of people would be shutting down and not moving forward on productions in solidarity with the WGA. Really? Sure, sure. I mean, uh, a lot so of those So people hosts... will actually shut down productions, full productions, 
in solidarity, even though so they're not. I mean, a, some of those shows could theoretically move on without writers. Like, for example, it's my understanding that during the uh, during the first writer strike, that John Stewart wrote all of the stuff himself, and then continue to do the Daily Show. Mm. Or a couple of people did that. I, I, we have to make sure that that's real. So theoretically, like, I guess The View has writers and other places like that, they have writers. So you could go and do those shows without the writers. And if a guy like Colbert probably wanted to do his show without a writer, yeah. he could probably, it's probably a little bit harder for him, but it's an interview show and he could probably get that stuff. But some of that is in solidarity with the writers. And remember now, there are other people that are doing stuff like stars that won't go to interviews, that won't promote shows, that won't do all of that oh, stuff. Oh, and that Drew is, Barrymore just pulled out of hosting the M um, MTV Awards. In solidarity with in the solidarity. writers. I, I, I misheard you. I thought that you were saying that just shows that aren't affected were just oh. shutting down as a whole. And I was like, really? But I get what you're saying. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, niggas not gonna do that. The the shows that that's why I was like, really? <laughs> nah. I was like, what? <laughs> nah, those other shows that like they're like you guys are about to get so many different reality shows that it's gonna be because the reality shows are unscripted. You get so many reality shows right now. They're gonna try to float those while this strike is going on. This is gonna affect everything in Los Angeles. We people have to remember about Los Angeles. I said this on the Brilliant Idiots podcast is that the lifeblood of this town, the industry of the town is entertainment. So mm -hmm. it's essentially like GM shutting its factories down, like wholesale uh, sit-ins or strikes at those factories in the 50s or the 60s when it was the manufacturing hub of the entire world. And so you're going to feel that everywhere. Maybe not right away, but everybody from the tops of the heads of the studios, which will be probably the people that will be less affected, all the way down to the valets at some of the craziest restaurants will be affected by an economic slowdown uh, because of this rider strike. Now, if you're wondering what this is about, it's about a couple of things. Number one, it's about residuals. Residuals have changed because television has changed. There was one standard of paying a residual. A residual is a check that you get from a show that you've written after the show has aired, after you've gotten paid for writing. So you get paid every time it comes on. Right. Those residuals were calculated in a certain way during the era of network television, and they're different now with streaming. Writers want a, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a higher percentage of residuals. They want residuals to be closer to what they used to be. They also they also uh, want to see the analytics of the streamers, which Rachel is a big deal because those streamers, that information is proprietary. They know better than anyone else exactly how many mm. people are watching this stuff, where they're watching mm -hmm. it, how they're watching it. And they don't want to have to share that because right. it, it influences their market share and all kinds of stuff like that. No, absolutely. Um, I Right now, negotiations we know aren't happening. It's shut down because they're striking. But they're, I was down there talking to people yesterday and there are they aren't even taking steps to have negotiations like they're at a standstill nothing is happening and the last strike back in 2007 2007 that carried over into 2008 lasted for 100 days so we won't be in this thing for a while because they're at such opposite ends of the spectrum and i i personally don't think that what the writers are asking for is all that crazy. They're asking for less than 2% of the profits. The problem is that cor it's corporate greed. I mean, when you look at the breakdown of what these CEOs are making at these places, Ari Emanuel at Endeavor, 308 million. David Zaslov at Discovery, 246 million. Bob Iger, 45 who else is a big number? And the, and the list just goes on and on and on. Millions and millions and millions. Why are you smiling like that? No, you're right. I'm not about to go ahead. Keep this. This is Rachel's. Rachel is saying this. 
<laughs> no, they're making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. What? What? Oh, do you not agree with me? Oh, I can't no, wait I'm not, to hear. No, 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 you're. This is, you know, sometimes some you know niggas might have stuff in production. You got to work with these people. But so you know, R- Rachel is. Oh, oh this I'm, is sorry. A Rachel. I'm sorry. I got you. I got you. I got you. Fans, 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 don't want to upset hey, the band. Hey, hey, I'm not taking sides. No, listen. I'm with here, here's what I'll say. I work under. I work under Warner. Yeah, so you know, I work under Warner. I get Rachel, it. Keep I, doing I have the thing, Rachel. I, my point is, it's 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 factual information as to how much money these yeah. CEOs are making, and the fact that these writers who literally are, I, I mean, dare you say, hold, like holding it all together. And the idea of people, they're the, the lifeblood of the entire fucking town. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're the, the, the fact that town. they're not properly compensating this labor force that is making these CEOs that I named, I didn't even finish naming all of them, millions and millions of dollars. And they can't, like there can't be some kind of equality when it comes to growing their income. Some of them can't even pay their bills is wild to me. And the way that the industry is headed in regards to streaming, as far as shorter seasons, right? We're getting eight to 10 episode seasons. Um, Instead of these 22, 24, these writers aren't growing. They're not involved in the process as a whole. And so there's not this um, ladder for them to climb to be showrunners or directors. It's not as easy as it. You're having more green writers than you are with experienced writers. And it just seems like they're trying to cut costs to make their pockets bigger. And the people have said, enough. And I'm here for it. And I think that it's important. It's like important to pay attention to what's happening because it can one affect other industries. You're seeing in California because, you know, we're big on, on unions here. But the issue is wealth disparity. And the the gap is getting so much bigger between the haves and the have-nots. And you will continue to see people come together in solidarity, unionize whatever it may be, to demand just to be able to put food on the table, just to be able to have the opportunity to grow in this industry. And you've got gatekeepers who seem to not be allowing that to happen. And I think that it's going to continue to be a problem. I mean, the fact that they can't even carve out the AI situation. That's a really interesting thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You can talk about it. Well, so the writers contend that they, um, they they asked for a provision to where the studios uh, would protect them against AI, you know, writing stuff. And they wanted a way to be able to differentiate between AI and an actual writer. And the writers say that the studio said no. <laughs> or that the studio <laughs> said that they wouldn't negotiate on it or that it, they, they tabled the conversation. There's been, uh, there was some reporting done by Matt Bellany over at Puck News. And it was the studio's response to what uh, the writers contend the 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 glitches and the negotiations were and the studios had their own spin on it. Everything that Rachel's saying is absolutely true. It's 100% true. But there's there's something else that's going on here. It's um, a changing world in terms of the way we consume content. Mm-hmm. And we're not consuming content on these shows that are giving you 22, 23 episodes a year with these gigantic writers rooms. Uh, It's an interesting thing to where a guy like Taylor Sheridan, who's uh, the writer of uh, Yellowstone essentially controls a whole streaming platform. You would Mm -hmm. think that the writers would be more empowered, but here's the rub that happens. If you're a Taylor Sheridan or you're anyone in that situation, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that he's, so hands-on with all the shows that he's doing and you uh you have a show and the show is coming from your pov well if you're writing every episode of the show which some of these guys are doing the writers rooms might be a little smaller or the productions the producers might want you to have a smaller writers room you and a couple Mm -hmm. of other people are writing everything right like a mini room well that takes away from from the writer's perspective, that takes away from not only the opportunity that they have to make a living being in a writer's room, but also valuable experience and forward 
motion in the career that somebody would get from being in a room. So the mini rooms and the smaller writer's rooms that happen on some of these streaming shows is another point of contention. Uh, what some of this is, is the inability of people to make sense of the landscape of television and entertainment now in an equitable way. It's not that money has stopped being made. It's that it's being made differently. And that's very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. people were making money hand over fist during the network era and it is stopped because of streaming. No, it's being made differently. Subscriptions, star-driven vehicles, rider-driven vehicles, and there are a lot of people that are on the outside of the elite of the town that aren't seeing as much money as they used to. Like she, yeah. like Rachel was talking about, we're talking about the working rider, not the Lindell Hoffs, not the Sheridans, uh, Shonda Rhimes. Not the Shonda Rhimes. We're talking about the working writer. Um, and so we're going to mm-hmm. see how long this lasts. The last time this happened, uh, this killed heroes. And I never, ever, ever you never recovered. Never <laughs> know. It's tough. Heroes was one of the most promising shows. It was like an X-Men ripoff, but it was good. Rider Strike came. Heroes fucking, it just uh, lost. Crazy shit was happening. After the, the writer's just gone, showed terrible. Um, so it's important, important it's deal. It's really important. It's a very important deal, and it's important, uh, you know, for us in terms of the way we view unions and the way we view uh, workers' solidarity with workers and with people who are, you know, asking for more. Just like you said, Rachel. I was being joking around. You know, obviously I have projects all the way, but you're, everything you were saying is correct. Really, you are. You're, you're, you're. No, no. I mean, it, it's listen, I work with them as well. Maybe not in the, not in the same way you do, but I do too. Um, so I get it. But if you think that it doesn't affect you because you don't live in L.A. or you're not in Hollywood, it does because we all consume this in so, in so many different ways. So, And yeah. even the projects that are out, that are coming out, they're dropping this week, next week, next month. Will the actors promote these projects in the midst of a writer strike? Some are saying, oh, I can tell you right now, we got shoots canceling left and right here because I thought because we're not a we're not a unionized show. Um, So it doesn't affect us in regards to to writing, but it does as far as what we can cover because people are pulling out in solidarity um, with those that are affected by this. So. Hmm. Pulling out in solidarity. Maybe, maybe we'll go to Bora Bora earlier. <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe we will. Uh, so look. Pulling out in solidarity. Shut up, man. Pulling out in solidarity. <laughs> You're just like, my brother did this. I'm going to do it too. Just pull on out. Kids go everywhere. Um, so we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, shout out to Adam, my writing partner, who sent me one of the most pathetic pictures I've ever seen, which was him in the rain today. <laughs> outside Universal. Out, outside. <laughs> or Paramount. It was outside Paramount in the rain today. What I didn't know is that the Guild, they schedule you a time where you have to go pick it. Like, they tell you that this I li- is the time. I thought about that today. Yeah. you. This is the time where you have to go out there and pick it. So you have to go pick it during a certain Good. window that they tell you you have to go out there. I'm going to go when I Man, come back to are, LA. They are structured. I'm going to go. I, I mean, I was down there yesterday, but I'm going to go um, bring, because I'm, I'm out here by a lot of studios. I'm going to drop some stuff off. Yeah, I'm going to go bring, I'm going to go bring up some pizzas or something like that. You know, some pizzas out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Herschel Walker. So Herschel. So, you're, so your writing partner is in the rain and you sit and chilling on. Uh, I'm not in the guild. CNN tonight. I'm not in the guild. I'm not in the writer's guild. Mm. So Did you take you a picture it. of yourself on set? No, I didn't. I don't do any uh, of that. Next to, next to Chris with CNN, you take a picture with yourself? I don't do <laughs> none of that. I don't do, <laughs> hey, watch me on this tonight. I don't do any of that. I pop up and you see me. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't go, hey, I did take a picture when I was on, when I was on the, I think I took a picture when I was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I think I did. But I don't do none of that. I pop up, you see me, I put it on after, boom. Watch me tonight on this. I'll, Watch or I'll don't. Promote. That's, what, that's what friends are supposed to do for you. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. 
You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Something went down on the New York subway. A killing that everybody is talking about. Rachel, um, I'm sure you've heard about this. Uh, a man I heard jo- about it. A man named Jordan Neely, who uh, regularly danced at the Times Square Station Hub, New York subway. Uh, Michael Jackson, impersonator is what he did. Um, 30 years old, according to reports, was having a mental health crisis. Screaming things like he doesn't mind going back to jail. He isn't going to die. Uh, He has no reason to live. He was having a break. A 24-year-old former Marine who has not been described yet in a lot of the major reports um, apparently felt threatened uh, by his safety and the other riders of the train, grabbed Jordan Neely, choked him, and he died. Mm. Uh, New York Mayor Eric Adams was on CNN last night urging everyone to uh, refrain from discussing um, the case in detail, media people, until more information has come out. AOC spoke on the matter, said that it was murder. The New York Comptroller spoke spoke on the matter, saying that uh, vigilantism vigilantism has no place in the city. Uh, There's a racial component here. Jordan Neely was white. This restrainer that choked him to death was, excuse me, Jordan Neely was black. His restrainer that choked him to death was white. Rachel, have you seen the story? What are your thoughts on it? I've seen the story, not video. Wasn't even trying to seek it out. I find it interesting. And I don't know if you heard it. You mentioned that um, Eric Adams, the mayor, said for the media to refrain from talking about it. And I'm wondering why. Why would we not talk about what appears to be an extreme injustice and murder that happened in a very public way. Did he explain why he doesn't want us to talk about it? Because not talking about it protects who? Um, I think what he was saying was that he was urging people not to call it murder or not to attribute anything to it until there was more information. That he was urging everyone that might have an opinion or might be involved to wait until that information had a chance to see the light of day before any decisions about, uh, about what they think happened, uh, you know, uh, were made or come to. I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with that because one, this happened in a very public way. And this 24 year old former U S Marine took matters into his own hand, which we've talked about before about what's being created in this society and that people being vigilantes is going to be more commonplace as the law protects them and they're given certain rights that almost empower them to be this way. So not talking about it, I think is an injustice and it only protects one person. What was done here was completely unnecessary, especially if this gentleman was suffering from mental illness. This 24-year-old took it upon himself to be the judge and jury and sadly the executioner in this situation. And he was not equipped to handle it, but he took matters into his own hand. 
this is something that we need to talk about because we're starting to continue to see acts like this, maybe not exactly like this, but similar acts happen as civilians think that they have the power to do this. Um, since his death, information about Jordan Neely has come out. Uh, it looks like he has a pretty lengthy arrest record. This is something that um, we're talking about here, guys, because it's a part of the information uh, that it's informing the conversation around what happened on the subway. And we understand, and of course, in case anyone is triggered by this, we understand the media playbook, particularly when it comes to the death or the killing of a black man or woman, black person, in that that reaches the light of day. There's always a rush to criminalize and demonize that person. Um, this is part of that discussion. So I want to talk to Rachel about it and talk. We want we want to talk to you guys about it. But we understand, and we that the emotions are running high, and that uh, some of you guys might be triggered by us discussing this part of it. He had been arrested over forty times, including three times, uh, according to reports that I read, for assaulting women on the subway. Does that in any way change your perception of what happened? No. To him. I agree. Did that Marine know that? Uh, the Marine did be, not know that. He would have to be RoboCop. It, I, I know that that's right. a very convenient thing for people to bring up, is, but that has no impact None. on what actually happened. Had exactly. there been, had the Marine know that RoboCop can scan someone and say, hey, this person has, this is this person's criminal record. Unless that guy could do that, that doesn't have anything to do with what happened uh, in this particular event. Um, absolutely not. It's something that's been volley is something that's being volleyballed around. Uh, I just want to know: Had you heard that? And upon hearing it, what are your first thoughts? I I had not heard that, but it, you know, as I just stated, it wouldn't change anything that I just said previously. At the time that that marine decided to take matters into his own hands, he didn't know any of that information. He just decided that he was going to do exactly what he did, use unnecessary force, hold somebody down to the point. And this is a Marine, okay? So this is somebody who is trained a particular way, not to do what he did, but I'm just saying the acts that he took were extreme as a Marine. I mean, this, no, this is, this is wild. This has nothing to do with anything that he did before. And I'm not justifying anything that Jordan Neely did prior to this. I'm talking about the situation as it happened. And at the time it happened, all you saw was a man with erratic behavior. And based off that, you decided to use force that killed him. And I don't know, and you tell me, was there any, were there any reports that he was actually harming people? Were there any reports at the time that that Marine put him in that chokehold? Where was Jordan, were Jordan's hands on anyone? Did he have a weapon in his hand? Was he, was there anything like that that was going on? That information hasn't been made him feel like the force that was. Right. That information hasn't been made available yet. Um, I was walking down the street this morning. Streets of New York, I'm walking back from Equinox, I'm strutting it out. You know what I mean? Whenever I walk on the sidewalk in New York, um, you can tell by the way I live my walk. I'm wow. a chubby man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but uh, as I'm walking down the street, um, not unlike in Los Angeles where I live, a guy starts walking next to me. And he starts mm-hmm. screaming to the top of his lungs. Like, I'll fuck you up. You motherfuckers, you niggas don't know this. You niggas don't know that. Blah, 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 blah. I look over. He was black? Black man, yeah. Um, ha- having some sort of issue. Uh, he actually walked, saw me, and then came and walked on the side of me. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down the street. I glance at him. You know? I glance on my left. He's continuing to walk. He's shouting. I don't know if he's uh, confused me for someone or what's going on. I keep walking. 
He's yelling, yelling, yelling. These motherfuckers, blah, 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 blah. Keep walking. Look again. I'm checking. Looking over. Making sure I'm safe. Everything's good. I'm going. If that guy grabs a woman. That guy grabs a woman. That guy in any way. um, If it looks like somebody's in trouble, I would probably do something. First thing I would do is intervene and put myself between the person and what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to grab him by his neck and choke him if he's unarmed. Um, I'm certainly not going to put my hands or feet on his neck in a way that could permanently injure him uh, if he's unarmed and if he is otherwise restrained. I say that to say that, like, the, of course there was anxiousness inside of me like what's about to happen but no way did my mind think kill eliminate like take my right you know um and we talk about the fact that this gentleman is a marine and the fact that as part of the programming and this is not in any way a a slight to any of the servicemen or women that may be listening to the podcast but as part of the programming there there's a threat assessment and then after there's a threat assessment there is neutralizing the threat. The problem is, is that all too often in America now, we're seeing people uh, seemingly identify threats where there doesn't appear to be one. And that speaks to the climate that we're in. A couple of years ago, we were talking about police officers uh, acting overzealously and shooting and killing unarmed black people. We're now talking about, um, and not that we hadn't talked about this before with Ahmed Arbery and Ahmad Arbery and things like that. We're now talking about American citizens opening fire on one another in mm-hmm. Texas, um, in Kansas City, this killing right here. Uh, we're just in a bad place. Yeah. We're just in a bad place. Um, a and- scary place, man. A scary place. Yeah. Just in a bad place, man. It's funny. Jordan Neely, he had been disruptive on the subway before. before. And when I say he's been disruptive on the subway before, I think dancing like Michael Jackson on the subway in a full Michael Jackson regalia and the whole thing with the music going, I think that's pretty disruptive. I think... uh, like watching someone do that in the middle of all those people when you're trying to ride home, I think that's pretty disruptive, right? But black men are allowed to disrupt in that way. They're allowed to sing and dance. As long mm-hmm. as they're singing and dancing, America doesn't feel any any threat from them. But if you break out and start screaming about what you need and you know your mental health and the time that you're having, now you have to be strangled. So he stopped singing, yeah. he stopped dancing, and he died. I don't know what kind of person he was. Obviously, 40 arrests is OD. And the three, four assaulting women, that's going to be a part of the story. So we talked about it. But weird, weird stuff going on everywhere. Ebony K. Williams. Mm. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. Ebony K. Williams talked... Talk to Ilyanla. Ilyanla. I know we say it different. I say Ianla. People say Ianla. 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 Look, Ianla Van Zandt. And she talked about the fact that, you know, she wouldn't date a bus driver. She dated a We talked about it. There's been doubling and tripling down since that happened. They got on Ebony's ass. Ebony K. Williams, friend of the show here. I've had Ebony on. I've been on Ebony's show. Wherever Ebony's been, I've been on. Me and Ebony did an Instagram Live together. Love Ebony K. Williams. Uh, don't love what you guys are about to listen to. After the the, the criticism came from the conversation with her uh, and Iyanla, she went on her show and she gave this salvo. So after the 50,000 plus comments posted on social, I only saw a handful that even considered the possibility of a bus owner being a more aspirational position 
and recognizing that I am actually speaking and pouring into the ascension of black men when I said what I said. But see, no, some of y'all were too busy naming and shaming me personally and black women in general as undesirable gold diggers and much worse. Now, I suspect that some of y'all are the same men that were bringing home C's and D's on your report cards, only to then be coddled by parents that said, well, that's okay, as long as you're doing your best. Well, listen, I love and believe in the excellence of black men. So no, my dear, C's and D's or any other form of mediocrity is not okay. No, I will not create a soft place for you or anybody that I love to fall comfortably into the bigotry of low expectations. So I'm going to say one more time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with driving a bus. My mother Gloria drove one for years. But could it be that black America has been sold a narrative of average, regular, and typical being good enough for us? Hmm. Well, see, that's called white supremacy. And in this case, it takes the form of conditioning black Americans to happily accept being a permanent American underclass. But see, because I know the truth about black folk in America, no, average is not and will never be good enough for me. And the gag is, I don't think it's good enough for you either. Man, your thoughts? <laughs> so, Ebony then went on The Breakfast Club. She went on The Breakfast Club earlier today. I'm not going to play any clips from that, but it was a train wreck. <laughs> okay, I listened to the majority of it, by the way. <laughs> it was a train wreck. It's, if you're talking about train wreck as in it's all over the place, I will agree. It's a train wreck for many reasons. One reason is because there was filibustering of points. There was obfuscation of every kind. Um, there was goalposts moving. Here's the reality. Uh, Ebony, who is one of the most brilliant people that you can listen to in this business, uh, overly qualified to discuss the things that she discussed and a real problem solver in the way that she thinks. There's a glitch here culturally that she doesn't seem to be understanding. Um. And it's a scary thing. Some of these feel like, if I'm being honest with you, some of these feel like criticisms coming from the big house. They do. Um, and, I'm not disagreeing with you. And it's odd. And it's, it's deflating a little bit. So no one is arguing, at least that I've heard, that we don't all wish for Black Americans to be achieving their full potential, um, working hard to, uh, to, to realize that potential and, you know, sacrificing the things that need to be sacrificed in order to achieve excellence. I think we want that for each other. Anyone who cares about the forward mobility of of us as a culture, a community, and a people will care about that. The question is, who decides what that is? Like, mm -hmm. what are the what are the prerequisites for that? Right? Like, where if you are a person who is achieving happiness and is achieving a sense of worth, being a part of a community, um, achieving for yourself, providing for the people around you. Who's to say what your job, what part your job plays into that? Mm -hmm. And who decides, like, it, it's a, I, I hate to say it, it's the way white people think. It's 100% the way white people think. It, it's the, and it's, and it's interesting to hear it come from inside of our culture. Because it doesn't come to terms with so many of the systemic 
and historical hurdles that black people have had to jump. When Ebony was on The Breakfast Club today, she was talking about where black people rank in terms of wealth and uh, with their jobs and all of that stuff, how mm-hmm. much money we make. And we're last on that list. Indians are at the top. White people are in the middle. Um, once again, black people are being compared to uh, immigrant groups. You know, I, I get it. And that I want you niggas to do better because look at where we at thing is it's compelling on its face, but those numbers are static and they don't have a heartbeat. There's no context. So the fact that black people being at the bottom of that is intentional isn't even discussed, right? It's, in, it's, it's not discussed that we were landowners in the 1900s and that land was taken from us through mm-hmm. usury, contract buying schemes, um, and other things. It doesn't, we're not discussing the fact when we talk about ownership that we tried to own homes in places where those homes would have appreciated value um, to a degree that might have adjusted those wealth numbers. But we were redlined out of those places, right? That so many different avenues to economic equality were purposefully taken, taken from Black people. So all of that was taken from us intentionally by white supremacy, systemic racism, economic usury and terrorism um, and any other means of political or social engineering that America uh, uh, has inflicted on black people. And then at the same time, now from within our own culture, we're going to be taught that we can't go get honest jobs. If I want to, if I'm, if I'm being real, do you know what conversations like this make people do? These conversations to me make niggas go get it in the street. And I, I, let, let me tell you why. Because if you're telling me right now that I can't go and drive a bus or I can't be a mechanic or I can't do any number of jobs because that doesn't meet an excellence threshold for someone who might want to date me, well, not even date me because Ebony is free to date whoever she wants, but it doesn't meet an excellence threshold for, for someone to look at me like a productive um, and achieving and uh, contributing member of a society or culture, then I got to show you something else. And because I'm being locked out from so many other things, right? Because my access to colleges aren't the same, because my access to education aren't the same, because my access to so many things aren't the same. But you know what I do have access to? Quick, fast ways to make money. I can show you a house that I'm renting or a car that I'm renting or some dope that I got on consignment this type of thinking that is whack to be to, to work in a restaurant or that it's whack to be a nurse or that it's whack to, to be a, a, a security guard or any number of jobs that you can make a living on, especially depending on where you are, right? That's the kind of thinking that makes people say, well, you know what? Let me cut some corners to go get it. And I know that because I've heard this before. Like, I've heard this before. I've heard people say, man, your dad uh, runs a construction situation, but he got to be out there every day in the heat. That's not going to get it. Like, I've heard this before. I've heard it. And so it, it, there's, there's a disconnect here. And the fact that as we've talked about it, we continue to double and triple down. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be better about a, a cultural imperative in terms of education. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But part of these things are they're indictable in terms of America's part of them. In part of them, they're indictable in, for so many other ways. It's like this: you niggas need to do better thing. I, I don't know what to say to this. Like to be honest with you, if Ebony weren't my, if Ebony weren't somebody I had a great deal of respect for, and somebody who I consider to be a homie. I'll be going insane right now because like when we, when we family and when we got love for one another, there's a way to have this conversation. And I promise you that this is not the way. And when I watched her on the breakfast club today and I'm filibustering as she was now, I'll stop. When I watched her on the breakfast club today, it was icky. She was like talking down to people like, come on, man. What I feel like, and I have a lot of respect for Ebony too, 
And I reached out and told her, you know, we'd love to talk to you, even though I do not agree with what you're talking about right now. And, you know, she's busy doing her thing and, you know, but acknowledged she would be love to hear what we had to say in regards to what she was saying. But what I feel like happened to Ebony is that she had a conversation with Ayanla. Ayanla threw her off by asking her that. She answered. In the full clip, they agree more about Ayanla's point of view than just Ebony saying, I want a bus driver. Uh, But the clip Ebony put out was that she wanted the guy to own the bus and not just drive the bus, insinuating the latter was not okay. That's the clip that was put out. That's what people responded to. So her response that we just played on this podcast to that original video was her being defensive to the comments, to the negativity, to the attacks against her. And she was responding in a defensive way that really talked down, even though that might not have been her intention, it ended up with her talking down to people who have work are in working class and that they're mediocre is pretty much what she was saying, which is where that starts and that we need to do better. But I, and under the guise of, and I just want better for you. That's where it started to sound like it was coming from the big house because who else talks like that when it's like, oh, they need to do better. They need to pull themselves up. They need to stop making excuses. That's the kind of stuff it was starting to sound like. Then on the breakfast club, she was defending that statement. And I feel like as I listened to her on the breakfast club, I was like, she's lost her way in this argument. Too much has happened where she's so on the defense that she's defending something and then defending the next thing where she has lost her way in what the original, the whole original point was. So that's why I'm going to give Ebony some deference because I feel like she's just caught up in her argument at this point. And it's coming off in a way that is not representative of who she is or what she stands for. Ebony might have a preference. Ebony does have a preference, right? Ebony does not want to date somebody who's a bus driver for whatever her reasons are. But she lost her way in trying to defend that. So, and that's what made The Breakfast Club so painful to watch. That was painful. Because she was just... So look, she was losing, not, She lost the point. She lost her I, point. I'm not going to sit here and act like hearing a black woman say she don't want to date a bus driver uh, is all that big of a deal to me because I hear black men say, uh, yo, I need a woman with this type of hair. I need a woman with this type of cuff in the back of her jeans. I hear people talk about shit all the time. Okay. But that's one thing. That's one thing for you to have a preference about what you want. You want a successful person. We've discussed that. You want that, that's fine. Um, she made all kinds of assumptions about what somebody who drives a bus is a bus and who they does. are. Yes, yes. Right. right? Yes. She made all kinds of assumptions. So number one, now we're talking about what's mediocre and what's not mediocre. Let me tell you what culture really is, that we can move off this. Sometimes people in the comments or in DMs, they talk to me about things that I've said. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I will respond and engage those people into discussion. Do you know why? Why? Because to me, part of a functioning culture and part of being a true member of a culture or society or a group or family is the ability to have somebody say to you, yo, you wild. That's why the biggest moment of failure that I've had on this podcast is when you had a problem with something that I said and then you came to me and talked to me in an ass-kicking way, but in a way that was <laughs> that that was who you are. <laughs> and I responded Immaturely. That's something that, that's a standard I have to, that was a a learning moment for me. That's me having to understand that sometimes you are going to get it wrong. It's going to come off wrong. Your plan is going to go too far. Who you are is going to go too far. And there have to be people that you trust 
to pull on your coat and be like, let me tell you why that's might that that's maybe not the way to go. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there are not people who agree with Ebony. I'm not saying that there are not people who agree. I say even those people probably don't understand the situation that I wouldn't even say that. Maybe they do and they have a different. What I'm saying is right now, man, like this ain't the way. Like there's too many black people out there that we need to, we need to actually, in my opinion, we need to increase the value in some of these jobs that they are calling mediocre and average. We need to take the microphones out of the hands of these brothers that are trying to rap. And we need to replace those microphones with uh, clippers and with riches to be mechanics. And those jobs need to be readily available and there to sustain the people that make this country go. And demonizing the people who keep us going, I just don't understand how we could do that especially after what we just went through in terms of COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. So it's not that I, I don't define better for somebody else's lives. I don't want people to do better. I want people to do them happily, Mm -hmm. healthily, wholly. I want them to do them. And if doing you is driving the bus, if doing you is being the manager at the Kroger's or the cashier at the Kroger's, I want you to do you without hurting somebody else. And can I just say, too, that the job title, the profession doesn't just define you. When you say, I want you to do you, it's not the only thing that makes you who you are. There's so much more to it. And I think that's what we have a problem in society and getting caught up with your job title, your profession, what you do, as if that alone defines you as a whole being. And it doesn't. Yeah. Ebony is still welcome to come on the podcast. I would like to have the conversation yeah. with her. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. So Ebony K. Williams, she's great, but I don't know. The Breakfast Club shit made me mad. I'm not going to lie. I was hot. I can tell. I was hot and bothered. Um, did you feel like, did you, were you, were you bothered just with her? Were you bothered with the response from like Envy and Charlemagne and Wheezy and um, her co-host? I'm sorry. I don't know her name. That's Mandy. No, they have a great podcast. I'm just sorry, her name is slipping me. They have a great podcast. Horrible decisions. I'll plug it. I'll plug it. Stop. No, I'm no, I'm I'm just sorry her name's slipping me. Don't do that. Don't do that. They have a great Uh, podcast. The thing is with Mandy, great podcast as well. Mandy double dipping doing her thing. Um, no, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought Envy uh Envy spoke for um a lot of people who have a problem being called mediocre. Um and it wasn't it, it, you know, he it was emotional at times, but I thought he said a lot of things that people were were probably thinking. It was, you know, at the end of the day, are are these conversations useful? Yeah, I think they are. I think that Ebony does have a point in terms of uh, conversations about what we should be uh what should what we should be asking for each other. But we lose our humanity somewhere by boiling people down to yes. how they spend a nine to five. That's all America's mm-hmm. ever done to black people is put their worth by what they is put their worth uh, on what they could produce. And we can't do that to each other. Okay. Uh, mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Okay. Uh, the first one we have is from Barnegat Sailor. What's the one food your mom made you as a kid that nobody else can make as good as her? Uh, oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> my mom is is so good. I would say her sweet potatoes. I would say that cinnamon toast. I love so much. Simple, but I love. But if I'm going to pick one thing, I'm going to say her, her pound cake and her sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, so uh, my mother cooks everything um, better than everyone. So there's not one thing. Uh, but mm. the gumbo. Oh, it, <laughs> Rachel, let me tell you right now. 
I love pretty hair to death. I'll tell you right now. If you if you want to have a cook off, if you have if you want to have a mama cook off, we we we, we, we can, can have, have a, a cook off. We can have a mama cook off. It's gonna be embarrassing. No, I'm, I'm, the okay, gumbo. Right. We we don't we don't we don't we, no, we don't touch. We, the, we, we're not gonna touch we the, can gumbo. Take the gumbo. That eyes. goes. We can take the gumbo. Okay. When I tell we you, we can have a going, cook off. Oh, Rachel, okay. Pretty hair can throw right. down. I, it's going to be embarrassing, Rachel. Like you don't it even is. like. You're right. Let me tell no, you something. I think you it's going to be more like, equal than you think. Because see, you over here, be. I'm not down in this crystal. I'm, I'm telling not you saying straight she up, can't cook. Love pretty hair. Love her. Every but you don't know her in the kitchen. Hair. You don't know her in the you kitchen. You know how I know? You, judge, you, know how I, you know how I know? You're judging it by me. Because you don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> you're judging it by me. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I'm judging it by what other people say. I know, okay. I know I, how I am. We go, we, we, that would be one, day, just, one day, one day, just to get an excuse to eat. But All pick right, the yes. one thing. Pick the one thing. You said gumbo. You said gumbo. Uh, it, it's it's hard. The but the the gumbo is going to be the thing that she does that like nobody else does nearly as good as what she does. All right. Um, Princess Tiff eighty four asks, "What habit are you proud of breaking, and what habit are you proud of starting?" Ooh. Okay. What I'm proud of starting is my morning routine, which is room temperature water, hot water with lemon, probiotics, and coffee before I have anything else. And I am proud of starting that, excuse me, every morning to help with my digestion, <laughs> digestion as I burp on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, habit I'm proud of starting um, Habit I'm proud of starting is Waking up getting sunlight in my eyes Before 9 o'clock um, I got that from Andrew Huberman Before 9? Yeah like before 9 o'clock like, uh, like that's You get up and like you get Sunlight in your eyes like the morning sun I know I just thought You were such an early riser that I'm shocked That you're like before 9 You'd be no. up at like 5.30 in the morning. I'd be up at 5.30, but then I would be like all over the place, you know, but like actually waking up and making it a point. Not, oh, but I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about getting the sunlight in the eyes, like looking at the sun to start the circadian gotcha. rhythm is what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, gotcha. last one. Okay. Um, Bird Noah asks, if you can have an AI assistant who could read your thoughts to know exactly what you'd want, would no, you enable that no, feature? Nigga. What? Hell no. <laughs> That's a fucking hell no. I don't want nothing to do with it. Do like, you think people would like you more or hate you more, man? Probably hate me more. But <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with AI. The only AI I want to have anything to do with play for Philly. That's it. I don't want, like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's nothing. That's nothing. No, hell no. No to AI. Hell no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We got it. Um, All right. Take the caps off and do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. We'll be back next week. I am Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>